0: Hello everyone, Uh, my name is Trisha Tate and this is Small Talk with Trisha Tate. Today we have Lisa Pontaleo uh, on our wonderful call. And uh, this summer we've been doing a series with a number of different um, CEOs and business owners of health and wellness uh, practices. And today we have Lisa on. She opened the Bar 3 Long Island City Studio after discovering Bar 3 on Instagram while looking for a new workout routine that wouldn't leave her feeling depleted throughout the day. And at the time, Lisa was working as a senior graphic designer in New York City, so we're creative through and through, Mm -hmm. and began doing uh, bar three online workouts each morning. She quickly fell in love with it. Uh, And actually, Lisa was born and raised in Queens, New York, so a New Yorker like myself, uh, where she currently lives with her husband and studio co-owner, Luke. And in her path towards a more holistic lifestyle, she continues to connect with Barthree's focus on whole body health, something she's truly passionate about sharing with the Long Island City community. So I wanna thank you for joining me, Lisa. Thank
1: you for having me.
0: <laughs> and I wanna um, I wanna dive right in today and just tell me how did you um, get started in your business. Now I gave a little bit of story, it's backstory as to how you got into bar three, but let's talk about the moment you decided to open a studio in New York. What was that like?
1: That's a long story, i sure. so, yes, at the time, like you mentioned, I was a graphic designer in the city. That's where I, what I went to school for. It's what I studied in college and undergrad and grad school. Um, And I loved it. But at the time, I was just looking for a fresh place to work. I was there for about five ish Mm -hmm. years. And I was running and doing a lot of yoga. But running was just by myself. And yoga was in a studio that was a little bit sporadic. It wasn't super close to where I was living. Um, My husband and I were also getting married that fall. So yeah, so it was a little bit of a financial thing. I didn't really want to commit to like a new studio. So the best thing was just online workouts at home before I would go, um, into the city. So I started doing just some free YouTube yoga videos and whatnot, and I fell in love with them, but it was lacking a motivation, uh, and a sense of community that I really wanted. So when I found bar three on Instagram, I first fell in love with the aesthetic of it all, to be honest with you, being in the design world, um, it wasn't your typical, like, gray and red and all those sort of colors that gyms come along with. It was just bright and airy. Um, It had like a beautiful yogi aesthetic to it, which I loved. And what was nice is that it really combined in a full hour, what I would get from running, which was cardio. And then what I would get from yoga, which was the mindfulness. So I fell in love with it. I started doing the videos and then um, there is at the time there was just the West village studio So I dragged my husband along and we went, um, and as soon as we started taking the in-studio classes, it just became alive. And to be honest, that was my first introduction to, um, like a big in-studio fitness class and group fitness. I played a lot of sports when I was younger, but I was never really into fitness, um, necessarily. So it was my first introduction into it and it was kind of scary at first and, uh, but we... Kept going and we loved it. You just push yourself a little bit more in person. And um, everybody we spoke to, whether it was other owners or other instructors, they all kind of had this same, like, authentic, genuine thread and love for the brand. So we put in our inquiry online about it and um, we just started talking with Home Office. And we knew that we wanted to bring it to Queens. If we were to open the studio, we knew we wanted to bring it to Queens. Like you mentioned, we're both born here. Um, and the West Village studio, which is a little far from up for us, it was about an hour to get there and an hour to come back. So again, it was that whole commitment thing, um, made it a little harder. So we wanted just something that was a little bit closer to home so that we could keep going to. Yes, would you like me to dive into the whole other process of all that? <laughs> just uh, like-
0: so it's a franchise model, right? yes so uh that's very different from just like coming up with a concept and starting your own thing from scratch so if someone were you know thinking of tagging onto a franchise and opening their own place what are some things let's say top three to five things that you should be prepared for you should do when you're buying into a franchise
1: First things first is making sure you, of course, love the brand. Um, not just, of course, loving the workout, but every single touch point that we had with bar three was a positive one. Um, it started with Amy, who was the director of franchise sales. So our for it was like a survey that we had to fill out and send in. And it was one of those things where I guess we're going for it. So we put it in um, and from our first chat with her, it was just so authentic and we knew that it just fit our personality. So just making sure that it fits your personality, making sure that um, you're ready for that big time and financial commitment, because it's always, always more than you think it's going to be. Um, So yeah, she just kind of helped us become really comfortable with it all. And like I said, every other person that we ran into um, who love bar three or there were two, there are still two. And at the time, um, bar three studios in Jersey, one in Livingston and one in Morristown. And we would go there and we would get that same welcome community feeling, which is so nice to get from a franchise. And that's the one perk about it is you don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? When you go into a franchise, there is a lot of backing there, but you have to be completely in love with the franchise that you're getting into, of course.
0: Because then they give you like the sales and marketing and sort of the whole brand strategy, but then what what were the things that you had to figure out on your own, separate from that the franchise didn't provide?
1: Yeah, well, what we had to figure out was a big one. Um, So we don't live in Long Island City, we live in Kew Gardens. And we wanted to live in Long Island City when we got married, but we couldn't afford it at the time. So when we were looking for a place to open up a business, we knew that that was the place we wanted to go. the thing is, is you have to kind of create your own community there, right? So I had to spend a lot of my off time there going into the coffee shops, touring around, walking, and just getting a really good feel for the neighborhood. And then um, figuring out, you know, if we were to open here, where would we be able to have classes to grow our community? So it's one thing that the franchise can't really help you with because there are three in particular is located in Portland, Oregon. Okay. Um, so it's one of those things where it's like it's grassroots at that point. Like you need the drive as the owner, mm-hmm. as the potential owner, to get out there and just to find those places that are going to help support your business. And if you are delayed, like we were in our opening, can you sustain yourself? Like, do you have the drive to be able to want to keep doing this for however many extra months you're gonna need to do it for?
0: So talk to us about that. Like, how did you engage customers and clients for the period that you were waiting for the actual brick and mortar to open? Did you have partnerships? Did you do pop-ups? Like, what did you do to engage this community that you're talking about?
1: Yeah. So how how it kind of works is as soon as you sign a lease, then you're able to go live on social media. Um, And Bar 3 kind of helps you with that a little bit. But of course, they want to make sure you have an actual location before you start. Talking about coming to the area. Um, so, our first kind of throw into the community was through social, and it was predominantly Instagram, um, Facebook as well, but not as much. It was definitely heavily on Instagram, and just figuring out first, like, getting some content out there. Um, most of it was helpful to have from Bar Three itself, some of their photos and imagery just to get on brand. And then my husband and I just drove down to the Long Island City waterfront and just took a bunch of photos of myself and all kinds of silly poses um, and tried to come up with like an announcement photo and all of that. So that was really fun. Um, And coming from the design world, that was my outlet. Like I was a little bit nervous, to be honest, about leaving that world that I was always in and diving into fitness, which I didn't really know much about. Um, I knew I loved bar three, but I didn't, I was never like a different type of fitness instructor prior to this, nor did I ever own a business. Um, so it was a big kind of leap of faith, but, um, we just kind of went for it. Um, and then in addition to social, yeah, our big thing was our pop-up classes. So they, um, bar three, encourages you to have something called like underground classes when you're gearing up to open. So once while you're build out and all that construction is going on, you're building your community. And in those classes, which are all free to the public, you are not only gaining your future clients, but you may potentially gain your future team members. Um, So it's broken down into sort of two different parts. One is called like an underground class where it's thought of as say, like in a church basement or in a school or a gym or something that you can have a consistent, um, weekly classes, whether it's three to four to five classes and, and do it that way. The other thing is a pop-up class, which could be like a bigger event. Right. And as you can imagine in New York city, it's kind of hard to get a space that you can get for five days a week. Right. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, some other, um, bar three owners would do like, in their backyard or in their basement and i have neither so for us it was like i can't even fit myself and my husband in my kitchen or so like that's not gonna work um so what we decided to do is just call everything a pop-up and make everything this big special event to keep the community engagement up and then to keep the photos looking amazing for social just to keep people engaged and honestly that was a lifesaver for us because um we were delayed in our opening for almost an extra year from what we thought.
0: Wow. So how long, how long before you actually moved in?
1: Yeah. So we signed our lease. I made a note because I wanted to make sure I had all my dates. Correct. <laughs> we signed a lease um, May of 2017. Okay. Okay. And we opened our doors April of 2019. Wow. Yes.
0: And how many events did you have between them?
1: I went ahead and counted them all, and I was wrong. I kept saying we've had over 100 pop-ups. We had over almost 250 free classes before we opened our oh, doors. Oh,
0: my gosh. So how did you how did you fund that? How did you – I mean, you have to – I don't know, you pay for instructors. Did you do all of them yourself?
1: Yeah. So in the beginning, I would do them all myself, and it was super grassroots. It was very much – like I said, I would start figuring out the community, um, walking around, just looking at different locations, Googling a lot and seeing where the event spaces were. And what I realized was, you know what, instead of having them in a school's gym or in a cafeteria, it would be a lot better if we can have them in event spaces. And thankfully in Long Island City, there's a ton of event spaces. And that was nice because it's a completely blank space Um, which in the studio, we don't use mats until the second half of class. We just were barefoot, like on our cork floor. But for the pop-ups, we would invite everybody to bring their yoga mats. So it worked out just to have a big, clean space. A lot of them also had sound systems, which was awesome, because then I could just plug in a playlist. Um, And they made for amazing photos. So that worked out really, really well. And to be honest, we actually never had to pay I don't think we ever actually had to pay for any of those spaces. It was just very much like support of small business to small business owner. um, And just, you know, asking if we can have a class there and we'll promote you guys on social. And that's just kind of how we made our mark. We just would have class. We would take photos. We would post about the different event spaces. And what was nice is that we were bringing what I didn't realize until after the fact is that we were bringing to these event spaces, potential clients for them as well, right? Because women in their late 20s, 30s, they're looking to get married, they're looking to have baptisms and graduate, you know, all that good stuff. Um yeah.
0: you want on one quick second, Lisa?
1: Sure. Okay, yeah, so at the time, what we didn't realize was a twofold thing. So like I said, we weren't, um, thankfully, didn't have to pay to hold classes in any of the event spaces. I approached it just like, hey, I'm opening up a new business in Long Island City. Um, I'm trying to build more of a sense of community, bringing fitness, whole body health, all of that good stuff. Like, can we have a class here? And in turn, I would post about the event spaces on social. And um, it was nice because it was just other business owners supporting us and vice versa. And what we didn't realize in hindsight was that we were actually bringing potential clients to them as well, Um, which we thought of in the beginning. But actually, if you think about it, like, we were bringing predominantly female clients between the ages of their late twenties to thirties to forties to wow. these who are getting married, having babies, looking to have parties. So it kind of was really cool. That's really nice. Yeah. And even some of our clients were like, Oh, I'm getting married here next month. I wanted to come take a class to check out the space. And it was just so random. Um, but yeah, it was just super grassroots. The only thing that we were paying for throughout that whole delay was, our instructors to teach, of course, because that was where they were practicing. So when we would open, they would be super strong. And then all of our insurances, we were paying as we were not open.
0: Right. Really, really important stuff. And so now, let's say it's 2019 and you open your space. Yep. Um, before that, it seems like you've already gathered some potential people to hire. So how did you even go about hiring instructors or administrators?
1: Yeah. So we didn't bring on... Front desk, so there are three roles in bar three. It's um, instructors, front desk, and play lounge. Um, Instructors, we started looking for at pop-ups. If we saw somebody that moved really well, or they would come up to us and ask, then we would kind of vet them and figure it out from there. And then we would also do social posts, like, hey, we're hiring. Um, And we would have them come and meet me, take a class. We would see how they move. Mm -hmm. And then there's a whole process with bar three. It's like an audition. And then there's like a two month post um, or a one month, I should say, post in-person training as well that they have to go to. So it's it's about a process to find an instructor. Right. So it takes quite a long time, but yeah, we just found them pretty organically. People just came to us. I think there was some brand awareness there that they saw we were opening up a studio. And then... um, Was there a hiring process set
0: by uh, the parent, Bar3? Or is this all something you created, the hiring process?
1: There's a hiring process. Yes, they have one, um, especially when it comes to instructors. There's a whole format that you have to follow. Okay. Yeah, I vet them first, and then, of course, I send their videos and whatnot to Bar 3, and then they vet them as well.
0: Got it. Okay, awesome. And then um, you were mentioning insurances. So even before you opened, you had to have insurance? What, what was important to
1: have? Yeah, well, we had uh, liability insurance, of course, to be right.
0: in, um
1: classes in some of these spaces and whatnot. Um, now, I think we're up to, like, six different policies <laughs> or something crazy. Oh, my um, goodness. Yeah. But at the time, I, at the time, I believe it was just liability. Cause um, you have
0: errors and omission, general liability at the very least, probably you have an employee, um, like an EPLI yep. employment, right? Yeah. That makes sense.
1: Property, all that stuff. Yeah. That's
0: right. That's right. Because you're in a commercial property. Yeah. Um, so at this point now you've been in business, so no, you've been in business like two, three years and you've been in brick and mortar a few months, yeah. At this point,
1: <laughs> yes.
0: So how so how is it going? So you went through like the startup phase, and now you're in this probably like growth phase. So what are some of the challenges you're experiencing now compared to when you started?
1: Yeah, um, it's amazing to have your home base and not have to be this traveling circus of um you know speakers and yoga extra yoga mats and all of that stuff but it gets to be challenging one hour delay challenged us of course because um you know bar three has their own retail that we can bring into sell in the studio so we had all this old retail that was a few months old that was you know on sale on bar three's website so boy working that stuff out um and then also you know, we were giving free classes away for over a year and now we're looking to bring those clients in and have them actually start to pay for class. Right. Which can be challenging as well. You know, of course it's they do, but um you do get some that don't and it's still frustrating. Yeah. Uh, figuring all that stuff out is still um a work in progress. And then also not losing that new owner mindset or that pre-opening mindset is you know, you're, we're about four months in. So about month two and a half, I started getting more comfortable with the flow of the in-studio and trusting our team to be there. So then I started my outreach again. I didn't want to lose the momentum of that. So now I think in August alone, we have about seven free pop-up classes going on. Um, well, not all free, I think five are, five are, um, or something like that. And just keeping that going because as, you know, as long as we were delayed and as many pop-ups as we had, when we still have one, people still are like, oh, I haven't heard of you guys. And you're like, seriously? <laughs> like, <really? laughs> because um, you've done 200. Yeah. It's so yeah. wild, but it's true. And, um, well, now you have a place
0: for them to come to. Yeah. And I mean, I can't, ima- I can't imagine con- trying to convert people who were free before into this new space um, so what are some things you think helped you, uh, convert them? And with that in mind, I went to this conference and it said uh, like the number one thing that New Yorkers want in terms of their health and wellness is convenience. Yep.
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah. So a lot of our clients live in Long Island city. Okay. Makes they live sense. In Astoria, Just a little bit North of us in Astoria. They live in Gro- Brooklyn, Greenpoint, Williamsburg. And then right across the river as well um, in the city, of course. So one of the big reasons we chose Long Island City and more specifically Court Square is because it's extremely commuter friendly, right? Okay. A thousand different trains that you can get there, um, buses, all of that good stuff. Parking is rough. On the weekends, it's easier. But that's one of our main reasons for being there. And I think that that has helped a lot because we get people, sometimes we look at it and it's like they come from Jersey, they come from the Bronx, and it's kind of mind blowing. yeah. But yeah, do, you have,
0: yeah. mm-hmm. do you have partnerships with neighboring businesses? So for example, maybe their employees get some sort of like a uh, special membership? Yes.
1: Yeah, so all of the event spaces that we held classes at, we of course offer them free classes and all of that yeah. kind of stuff. as a thank you. And now as we're looking to build our memberships, we're um, reaching out to local businesses to try and get some more perks for our oh. members and give back a little bit more generously to them. So we've been contacting like, there's a place called City Chemist that we asked if if people who are our members would show that they're a member at your place, would they be able to get a discount sort of thing? Um, so we've been doing that. Uh, we have a restaurant on board as well. We have a climbing gym called Brooklyn Boulder's nearby, Brooklyn Boulder's Queensbridge. I'm familiar with them. Mm-hmm. They offer a percentage off of their introductory classes. And then the other big thing that we started doing is we had a ton of pop-ups in all of these big, amazing apartment buildings that are going up in Court uh-huh. Square, oh, wow. um, and not only Court Square, down in Hunters Point as well. So what we started to do is offer um, a promo code to the residents there and have them come in to take a free class. And the idea is that they come in, they take a free class, hopefully they fall in love with it, and then we can get them into our new client special, which is three classes for 50, um, which is super cheap and, and a yes. really good introduction. That's amazing.
0: Okay. So you have a lot going on in terms of marketing and sales and driving customer engagement. Um, so talk to me about like, uh, the numbers and financials, right? Because you're doing the sales and marketing, you have a graphic design background. How important is it to keep an eye on the financials?
1: Extremely. Uh, and I am not a numbers person. I will be completely honest. You know, right. i art school, not to say, but I just don't have that mind. Um, Husband, thankfully, has that mind a little bit more than me. So um, we balance each other well when it comes to that sort of stuff. Um, What was helpful was, you know, prior to opening, we were given some sort of P&L format that we would fill out and look at and make sure that we can afford everything. And although I got it, I didn't fully understand everything that it would take. It wasn't until we just sat down, made it super simple and was like, this is what our monthly expenses are going to be. This is how many memberships we need to hit or class packages, a combination of the two to basically be able to pay our bills, pay our instructors, pay everything. And once we started to realize that we were like, okay, that is a little bit more tangible for me now. Right. Yeah. And then of course we always had bar three there just to compare um, our urban setting with other thriving, studio- other thriving bar three studios in similar settings with similar demographics. And we would kind of get their um, estimated monthly income and all of that just to see if it was lining up with what we were hoping to get to pay our own bills. Um, and that's how we knew like, okay, we can make it work. These are our goals. We have right. to on. Awesome. So you had comparisons. You had some easy comparisons.
0: Yes. Awesome. And then, so what do you use to track, um, those stats? So it's see, there's, so there's the core stats of like the expenses, how much in packages, how much in membership, I don't know what other sort of like performance metric you, you look at, but what do you use to track all of these
1: things? So we use our point of sale system, which is MindBody, Um, okay. and that, just tracks all of our... That's,
0: that's like the industry standard. I don't know what else anybody else is. Using.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's real. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's a powerful tool. So we have um, all of the reports and everything are on there. And then again, what's nice about the franchise is that they gave us, you don't have to use them, but there were... Um, bookkeepers and, and what that they use that know bar three and know what to look okay. for, know when the reports are due each month and all of that. So we got on board with one of them and we're absolutely in love with him and he sends us um, all of our Ls every month so we can really get a clean idea of what's going on.
0: Oh, that's great. So you do have somebody that's focused on it that has like the background and familiarity. Do you yeah. have to, re- you said you had to report those numbers somewhere?
1: yeah so we um because it's a franchiser of course, like royalty fees and such, so he um, he pulls our numbers like he has access or I send him reports and whatnot, and then it all gets figured out, which is nice because like i said it, it it's a whole other thing and a whole other beast and a whole other animal, so what's nice about the bar three franchise is then you can kind of you know spend your time doing other things got it and did you
0: so when you started the business, did you use uh your own money? Did you go to a bank or investor? How did you finance, yeah. if at all?
1: Yeah, we did a small business loan. um okay. And like an SBA guarantee, a SBA backed a small business. Yeah, um, and it, it's tough. Well, I mean, when it comes to a delay, it's tough. We had to extend our loan twice um, okay. because of all of that, which you know, of course, gives gives you more interest and everything. Um, and then you're spending money and you're not having any money come in when it comes to the insurance and paying for your team and whatnot. So it, it got tough there for a little bit. And with each delay that came with the landlord and the building and the permits and all of that, it was just more and more stress on us. And again, you have to go back to the drive and the bigger picture and focus on getting in those doors. At what point did you have
0: to engage any of your like negotiation or people skills?
1: For meaning what?
0: Uh, when engaging the the landlord, or like going back to the landlord and having to delay, and going back to like the yeah. lenders and having to delay that as well.
1: The bank wasn't as much of an issue, um, to be honest. It was just, it was just a rough go with the landlord and the real estate agent from the get go. To be honest, like it was it, they would never agree upon an exact day to deliver the space, um, as much as we fought for it, of course. And at that point we were negotiating for like a month. So just like an in good faith thing. Um, you know, we were going into it with good faith and unfortunately it didn't work out that way. Um, there's just, you know, there's a ton of stuff that happens in New York with permitting and everything, but then it does the landlords and, real estate agents and all of that can really crush a small business like we learned. Um, and you're opening up in debt because of that and not cool.
0: (laughs) Right. So what would you, if anyone wants to open a studio (laughs) in New York, what, what tips would you give them?
1: Making sure, I mean, of course we did, but making sure that your real estate agent is fighting for you and also making sure that you have a good real estate attorney who knows what they're doing, who knows what to look for in that lease, um, what to fight for, what to kind of pick your battles with. Um, But sometimes it's just hard to come to an agreement and you feel like in that good faith, everybody is going to play nice. And then it becomes business and you kind of get stepped on a little bit. Um, and you got to kind of make it work if you want it, you got to keep pushing, you got to make it work. You know, even post opening now, we're still the only tenants in the building and there's a ton of construction going on. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's hard because, you know, they want to come in and do work for another tenant and you have to, I have to change my schedule or there's banging and construction going on when I have clients walking in. So it's always something. Um, I think the one thing that we learned though, throughout the entire delay is just like, Everything is figure outable. It'll work out. You just have to keep the faith. And the more you give, it's true, the more you get. So even though we're it's still um, you know, we're trying to get new clients in the door, we're dealing with landlord stuff and construction stuff, like we're still trying to have these free pop ups and give back to the community. And we always see it come back tenfold. That's great. That's that's wonderful.
0: And at this point, like your your instructors and your employees, are you able to maintain and retain them?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Our team, our team is fantastic. So a lot of them, um, yeah, almost every single one of them started and was doing these free pop-ups with us for a while. Um, and that was a whole other thing to deal with, with the delay was keeping their excitement up. And it's like, we're not lying guys. Like there is a studio coming, I promise. Right. we're delayed a little longer. Um, same thing with clients, you know, where they kept asking every pop up, like, are you guys opening soon? Oh yeah. We're, <laughs> we're in uh, November. And then they'd be like, right. guys, it's November. What happened? Oh, it's another, you know, three months. And yeah. as a business owner, it makes you look kind of bad because you feels like you don't know what you're talking about when it's completely out of your hands. Um, right. But now that we're in the studio, yes, everybody thankfully stuck with us. And it has been amazing to have, to see them thrive and grow, meaning our team in the studio. And then to see our clients being able to come to more regular classes and gain all of that strength and mindfulness and hearing all of these wonderful stories about how much Bar 3 has positively impacted their lives in the four months that we've been open. So it's all worth it in the end. That's awesome. this is great, I wanna,
0: I, I, I want you to like, maybe you've done this already, uh, how do you envision, where do you envision being in like three years, your studio?
1: I, I mean, I think a big thing for me is, it's hard to like put in words, but I wanna make sure that this type of workout, um, of course, bar three, is just more accepted in a sense where it's like, you know, we never, we never do crunches for example, because you're not being mindful of like your neck and shoulders and all of that stuff. Um, And just being fully accepting to everybody um, building that big sense of community. And everybody who walks in that door, isn't just a number, but you're a person and we know your name. Um, We are, we know what you did that weekend. We know your kids' names, all of that stuff. Um, Just trying to make that mindset more of the mindset of people who like to work out. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we would love to open up another studio at another point of time just to kind of keep that growth going. Um, And then I guess a little bit of a smaller one is just making Long Island City on the map a little bit more with that, especially in court square. um, You know, the waterfront gets a lot of love. um, And unfortunately where we are, it's a big construction zone. So we just partnered. I had reached out to the um, uh, Court Square Civic Association just to see if they can kind of help us figure out how to maybe hold a pop-up in Court Square as opposed to always defaulting down to the waterfront because clients who are exposed to those classes don't always want to walk up to Court Square. Um, And they partnered us with two other studios one is right across the street from us it's called cosmic fit club and the other one is around the corner it's called heal me nyc and we decided to do a summer wellness series so for about i think about six weekends um six saturdays in august we're doing we're each doing a free class for the community and it's right outside the court square courthouse which is really cool so it's that is really
0: awesome because i remember working at Citigroup in that building when that that was the only real construction there and so much has grown up around it
1: yes yes Mm -hmm. it's um it's it was it's nice it's nice to see and like when we had our class there were two students from columbia that happened to be there who were doing like an architecture project on the growth of the community so they reached out so it's like all of these different things that start to happen the more you put yourself out there um and then i think the other thing is is just Teaching people not to play small, just getting out there and doing it, you know, and um, just kind of going for it. You know, people always ask, like, how did you make that leap from design into into this? And it was just like we just kind of did it. I just kind of had a gut feeling that it would work. And then it's figuring out how to pull in your other strengths into this. So, like, yes, it's not design, but yes, I get to be creative with social media. Yes, I get to be creative with my classes. Yes, I got to. um, My husband designed the studio. He's an architect, but I was able to do oh, I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, I was able to do the interior. I was able to, you know, get all of the decorations and make it look like the way I wanted it. So there are other outlets and there are the strengths that you can bring into that. Um, and I think that it's been super inspiring for some people to see that, you know, like as a husband and wife team, um, or as like the female load and a uh, female lead in the business, just inspiring them to to go for it. And you you do have challenges as a female business owner, um, for sure. And it starts with kind of people taking you seriously, you know, right. and, um, right. having to deal with construction and, and all that, and people, you know, wanting to talk to your husband, but then you're the owner and it's like right. one of those things. Um, right. so yeah, just hoping to inspire people to just, to just go for it. And you don't always have to have like a solid five-year plan or exactly what you want to do, but you should have something in mind, like, for growth and all of that, of course. I remember
0: reading Ruth Zuckerman's book, Writing Hive, um, for uh, she's the co founder of Soul Cycle and Flywheel. Yeah. Um, she talked about some of these things, like being a woman business owner and um, some of the things sh- that she faced, and just having like some intuitiveness, knowing what her strengths are, and bringing in the people that uh, she needed when she needed them. So with that said, um, just have like two more questions. Uh, One of them is if you were to do this all over again, or if you were to advise someone who was opening their own health and wellness practice, what would you say are the first three people you should have on your team you should hire or um, yeah, you should have on your team?
1: First three people. Um, I mean, it's not necessarily on our team, but it all would start with, like I said, just getting a really good real estate person to figure out where exactly you want to go. Um, a bookkeeper that you trusted was super, was very clutch for us to make sure that we knew everything we needed. Um, insurance brokers, you know, all of that, which nicely came with the franchise, um, thankfully, or was suggested. And then as far as your team, having somebody, like you said, balances some of your weaknesses. So, like I said, my husband and I kind of balance each other out well. He does have a full-time job, but I don't know what I would do if I didn't have him to bounce off of. And then not being afraid to hire people that are better than you in certain degrees. You know, like some of our team members, some of our instructors have been in the fitness industry for years and I haven't. And that's totally fine. They have more body uh, wisdom about the body and all of that stuff than I do. And just realizing that, you know, everybody brings kind of a different flavor to the studio and it's not like the Lisa show just because I'm the owner, but we all have our strengths and just kind of gathering all that. And it's, it just goes back to that sense of community and, um, kind of like growth mindset, not being stuck in thinking, you know, I can never do that because I never had a background in that before.
0: That's great. And I mean, is there one thing that you wish you would have, No, I'm coming into all of this
1: one thing I wish I would have known um I mean there's something to be said about not having it all figured out to be honest I feel like sometimes if you sometimes ignorance is bliss a little bit you know (laughs) like would we have done it if we knew that we would be probably putting in twice or triple as much money as we thought and over a year delayed probably not, but you know, we, there's something to be said about that. I think a lot of it would have gone back to the very beginning with finding a certain, um, location and landlord and all of that. But then in the end, it's also like court square and the building we chose gave us that character in our studio that we wanted with like exposed brick and that sort of old school court square looking warehouse thing that I didn't see anywhere else. Um, in long island city so it's kind of hard to say
0: so i mean lisa you shared a lot about like growing a business and starting from scratch with pop-ups and delays and negotiating things and figuring out things that weren't necessarily necessarily your strengths and making it work um It sounds like there's a space that i really want to come visit, and if anyone else in our audience would like to come to Bar 3 and see you in the Exposed Brick and Court Square and what's going on, what you got going on, why don't you let us know how we can do so.
1: Yeah, the best place to reach us is if you go to bar3.com. You'll see our page there. It has all of our information. There's a big button at the top to schedule your classes. If you go to, if you can email us, it's lic at bar3.com. Um, that's kind of the best way to reach us. You can also come to the studio in Court Square. It's at 4416 23rd Street. And then we are on Instagram and Facebook at bar3lic.
0: Bar3lic. All right. I got that. Yay. Yeah. So thank you again. This is Lisa Pantaleo of Bar3 Studio in Long Island City. I want to thank you again for sharing how you maintain a healthy business. Um, and thank you very much. I hope that some people come out and visit you. I know I sure will.
1: Thanks so much. All right. Thank you.